Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sipped. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. There's a touch of madness around here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Disney Dads Podcast. Show it's a little about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. My name is Justin, and tonight I am so excited to be joined by two of my very, very good buddies. Mike is here. We're missing Jason, the big guy, but stepping in in his place is our good buddy. If you've listened to the show, you've heard him multiple times. He is an expert on all things run Disney, all things Disney parks, and overall just loves Disney in general. Our good friend, Joe Quattrochi. How are you, buddy? What's going, what's going on? Speaking of run Disney, just finally got into Princess for the first time ever. I've never run it before and um, didn't get in again on the, um, the original you know, the pre-sale for DVC and AP holders and finally got in on the general sale. So I'm super excited to run uh, marathon weekend and princess this coming year. So super excited. Can I pick your outfit? Um, I guess you could, you could, you know, you could pick my two. I like that. I, I like it a hundred percent. Um, yeah, man. People. Um, I was super bummed because I was supposed to run my first run Disney race and it was canceled. You know, uh, I, my wife was not bummed because she did not train. So she was like, "All right, we're good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy this happened." So you know, it is what it is. Uh, Mike, you know what, dude? Uh, we are whenever we're recording this, spending a lot of time together. Uh, just a little pull the pull the curtain back. We're recording a little bit early so we can have a few weeks off so we can spend time together. Uh, dude, how is everything up there? Are you getting ready? Are you getting packed? I know you're picking up the camper. What in like two days, something like that? Yeah, I pick up the camper in a couple of days, and it's one of those things where every time you go into the store, I'm just running in for a couple of things, and you wind up with a shopping cart, and $500 later, I'm like, we could use this, we could use this, we could use this, and you know, this is really our first time, you know, we talked about it before, using an RV and a camper, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to need that, and we're going to need that, and I realize, listen, for you guys that are out there doing the RV and the camping stuff, oh my God, there's a lot to pack. <laughs> you know, I'm used to just throwing my clothes for a vacation and a, you know, a suitcase, and you know, you get down to your hotel, your resort, and everything's there. Man, you had to bring everything, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, we're gonna need forks, we're gonna need knives, we're gonna need spoons. We're gonna, holy cow, it's a lot to pack. But uh, we've been preparing, and um, hopefully, once this is over with, I didn't forget much. So, did when you pack the RV, right? As long as it's running, do, does the refrigerator work and everything? Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I have to plug it into the house the night before to get the refrigerator cold. Oh, okay. Then for the drive down, then everything else works. Once you got the engine running, but like for the overnight, because we're getting it on a Friday and then we're leaving Sunday morning, I'll have it plugged into the house. There's a little auxiliary outlet to keep you know your lighting going and your refrigerators cold. This way, uh, I can put all the stuff in the fridge for the ride down. Joe, have you? Are you a camper? Are you some guy? Are you somebody uh, who enjoys the outdoors like that? I, I'm a big a tailgater slash what Mike's could do camping because I'm one that likes to hang out in the infield at a NASCAR right. race. And I have to have campers and kind of do that. And my wife and I have talked about that when we retire, even though we, we go to a lot of races, you know, she travels for, for work, obviously for the races, but um, we stay in hotels. I'm lucky to stay with her in, in the hotels, but we always talk about, we love to get an RV and just like go like, you know, 
do the whole tour, you know, go every track, go to you know, Talladega, Darlington, obviously Daytona, you know, do the inf whole infield experience where, you know, we've had friends do it already. We've hung out at their, at their campers and it's a lot of fun. My wife, that's about as much as she'll do for camping. You won't catch her at a tent, but uh, you'll catch her in an RV though. So one day we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that, but it's uh, not quite there so yet. So when Mike comes down, he's staying in uh, Myrtle Beach for a couple of days before he comes down to Charleston, stay in Charleston, right? So I'm going to drive up to Myrtle, me and Riley, my daughter. And uh, we're gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna camp in a tent. Mike, now let me say this. Mike is a gracious host. Mike said it sleeps plenty of people. You can stay in the camp with us. No man, it's good. Perfect opportunity for me and Riley to camp. Now Riley's informed me Riley is not gonna camp with me. Riley's gonna stay with Mike and the family in the RV. So now I'm just <laughs> out by my lonesome in the tent. But uh, I mean, outside his RV, they got like a TV, flat screen TV. They got a refrigerator. So and Mike knows me. As long as it's stocked up with some cold beverages and. I can have uh, have all that. I'll be I'll be ready to roll, but uh, but yeah. I mean, we, our last episode we did we talked about the campgrounds. We talked about you know the opportunity you had there, a little bit of the history of the campgrounds and uh, people that go down there. And the more comments I saw on our Facebook page were people saying it's almost got that tailgate type of feel to it for the people who've stayed there. You know what I mean? Like all the RVs and really coming back and everybody hanging out after the park closes, and that would be really cool. You know, I don't think I don't know if I could do it at Disney, but um, unless I had a luxury RV. But just the fact of if you left the parks and then imagine you come back and it's just a massive tailgate and everyone's having drinks, bonfires, like doing all that cool stuff. So that's something I could probably do. I mean, that's one of the things. Even like if you're out, like for example, a NASCAR race. Like if you need something, you just wander over and ask your neighbor. And 99 percent of the time, they're probably gonna be like, "Yeah, we'll help you out." Like everybody kind of watches each other's backs. Everybody's hanging out. You know, possibly possibly decorating their their, their, their spot where they're at, you know, everybody gets into it, you know, it's, it's no different being at Fort Wilderness as being at a NASCAR race. And it's like one of those things. It's like, you're sharing the experience with other people. And it, it does sound like a, a lot of fun, like a great atmosphere. Have you ever seen the movie RV with Robin Williams? No, but it sounds like something I would probably enjoy if I did. Mike, see have you seen it? No, I okay. Here's, I'm afraid to watch it. Before here's no, no, no. You have to get this movie and let the girls watch it like on the way down. Cause he gets the same idea that he, wants to spend time with the family, but he's got to make this pitch for work. So he has to get across country. So he rents this RV and just everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And it's, it's really, really good, man. Um, you know, talking about the campgrounds and, and, you know, you've mentioned NASCAR, we are going to do everything. This episode sports, bum, 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 bum. Uh, we are going to talk about, of course, a little NASCAR or a little, we're of course going to talk a little bit about some racing here coming up. Before we do that, I'm going to spring something on you guys that you guys did not know I was going to talk about with you. So, we get this amazing news that the NBA is now going to finish their season at Walt Disney World, okay? Uh, and with them finishing their season to Walt Disney World, they are going to be staying at three different resorts, and the players ha players and teams have been given a 113-page document saying everything they can and cannot do while on property. So the three resorts are the Grand Destino Tower at Disney's Coronado Springs, which I absolutely love, and uh, some of the great teams that are there. Uh, of course, the Lakers, you're going to see LeBron walking around, uh, the Toronto Rapids, uh, Raptors, um, the Clippers, the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Heat, and the Bucks. So pretty much the teams that are in the fold to win it all this year, I would say, are staying at the Grand Destino Tower. Uh, the next one is the Grand, Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. You got the Thunder, the 76ers, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Mavericks, the Nets, the Grizzlies, and the Magic. Um, weird that the Magic are staying there when most of them live in Orlando. I think that's going to be the toughest one is being stuck in a bubble there whenever their house is, is right down the road. Um, and then the third one is the Yacht Club. And you got the Blazers, the Kings, 
the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Suns, and the Wizards. So, before we get into some of the things, because this made me laugh a little bit, because you're talking to NBA players who make a boatload of money and are used to traveling the globe in luxury and style, right? So before we get into some of the things they can or can't do, if you are on an NBA team, Joe, and they come to you and they say, you're going to be staying at Walt Disney World, uh, you're going to be quarantined for two months, right, at one of these resorts. Out of those three, the Des- Grand Casino Tower, Disney's Grand Flirting Resort, or Yacht Club, which one are you hoping that your uh, your team ends up at? Well, I mean, if I'm the NBA, I mean, am I saying am I the NBA or am I saying my team is going to be there? Because I Your team. I would, I would have put them all in – Grandestino because it's kind of it's kind of away from everything kind mm-hmm. of isolated it's there's not too much hubble up going on with like being on the monorail line like the Grand Floridian you know the yacht club's got a lot going on with being around like the boardwalk and all of those resorts it's always busy around there I want my team to be kind of isolated to concentrate on the task at hand um they're gonna be probably not happy that they are going to be you know quarantined to begin with right I mean so I want them focused if my team is in the plus then my team I don't have a team anymore ever since the Nets bolted for Brooklyn and kind of forgot their history of being in New Jersey. I've kind of disowned them a little bit, but, um, you know, I mean, I would say probably Grandestino just so they could be focused away from everything and concentrate on the task at hand. I'm just surprised that they actually put the second level teams in the Grand Floridian, the top <laughs> teams, because I guess because right. I read, I mean, I, I watched some of uh, you know the sports shows that I usually watch that they seated them by resort, by how they were, how they were, you know, in the seat, the seatings. They did. Top the top teams are in Grand Destino. Like I know it's the newest one, but it's like Grand Floridian is still your flagship resort. So why are you, you know? But it's uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, have, have you been over to Grand Destino yet? I, I have. I've eaten at the um, oh god, Toledo on the top. The, yes, uh, and Dahlia Lounge right there. We've got a really good friend who's the manager there, uh, one of the managers there. And so I'm going to get a hold of him and be like, hey, dude, I need some. Uh, Need some pictures, you know. Uh, you got to send some over. How about this though, right? So you know that these NBA guys, right? Listen, we're all we're all adults. I mean, I know this is a family friendly show, but you know, you put a bunch of younger NBA guys who are very well to do in a bubble like this. Uh, after hours, I'm sure will be uh, even though they're supposed to be quarantined. I'm sure it will be some interesting stories going on in uh, Walt Disney World. <laughs> it's going to be wild. I mean, be, I'm, I'm telling. That's the first thing up. I thought about. There will be scandal. There will be some sort of scandal coming out of this, uh, out of this whole scenario because it doesn't matter if they're NBA players or not. You're putting a bunch of grown men, twenty year olds. They're they're twenty year olds with yeah. worth mil- tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, it's it's so. it's, it's going to be crazy. I'm actually curious. I'm not the biggest NBA fan, like I said before. I'm more of an NHL guy, but and I'm just curious to see how these games look on TV at Wild World of Sports. You know, I know they can have yeah. a bunch of games at the same time, but I'm curious to see how you know, how it, how it's going to look. I'm surprised we're not playing any games down in, at the Amway center too. I mean, it's like we've got a full size arena there as well, but I guess they just want to keep everybody together in one spot. So. Yeah. I think they just have more control. Mike, if you had to pick between the three, the grand Casino tower, Disney's grand Floridian or the yacht club, which are you going to? Uh, I think grand Destino. I bet you that. Well, I bet you grand Floridian has some real security protocols. Cause you know, I've been down in Disney a few times and they've had quite a few celebrities or high end people that have been over at grand Floridian. Uh, I think one time I was there, uh, Pre- uh, vice president Pence was there. So, you know, if they have that kind of rumor facility, I'm sure they have an area where they can keep them kind of cordoned off. You know, uh, I would assume that the grand Destino tower would have something same, uh, but I think I'd go with Grandestino. That, that's where I'd rather rather have him be. I would, I would too. And the reason for it is, I love the fact of just being able to go upstairs 
to the Dahlia Lounge, you know what I mean, and and relax up there. So they are going to have <laughs> – this is where it gets a little little funny, okay? So let's, let's take LeBron, for example. LeBron is, I would say, the guy in the NBA right now, right? He is uh, – he, you know, he's, he's the head guy. Uh, LeBron's probably net worth is, I would say, probably around $500 million, something like that, you know, uh, give or take. Now, the thing they said to these guys, they said, listen, you are not going to be bored for two months because we have some amazing activities planned for you here, okay? Now, you're not going to be able to park hop, okay? And you will be able to go to Disney's Animal Kingdom, and we are going to schedule for you to be able to do the Wild Africa Trek. But when you're at your resort, I want to tell you that we are going to do, you're going to have 24-hour VIP concierge, you're going to have the pools, you're going to have barbers, you're going to have manicurists, you're going to have pedicurists, but here's the best part, you're going to have lawn games, guys. You can go down and play as many lawn, you can play as many games as Uno down in the uh, courtyard as you want in those two months. I have a feeling, like you said, Joe, we're going to hear some great stories coming out of Disney. It's going to be amazing. Now, are they going to be obligated to stay on property? Yes, they cannot leave. So they can only leave if it's an extenuating circumstance. And if okay. they leave without, they're calling it the Orlando bubble, right? If they leave without uh, uh, permission, then they have to be quarantined for 10 to 14 days. And while quarantined, they'll not be paid for any games played because they won't That's be able okay. to play those games. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And it's also, think about those Disney bus drivers. You know what I mean? Is, is that how they're going to get from point A to point B? Or are they going to have the luxury uh, buses there? To, to... I'm sure they're going to have the luxury bus. <laughs> I, I, I want to see. I want to see somebody get. I want to see LeBron get on, and there's two scooters, and he doesn't have anywhere to sit. That would make me so happy. <laughs> now, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but is it confirmed? Is the MLS also going to be at Wild World of Sports? And if so, I mean, is is all of Wild World of Sports going to be locked down essentially? For... It is. Yeah, I, I haven't heard for a fact. So I've heard they are. They're talking about it. I haven't heard it's confirmed yet. Um, but if they do, I mean, I think Wild World of Sports is locked down anyway. So each team can bring um, a 35-person traveling party. Um, the players can have their families come in town, but I don't believe they're allowed to stay at the hotels. I think they have to stay elsewhere on property. Um, so I don't know. It's just Are they required weird. to make a theme park reservation? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. So when <laughs> I, I, I guarantee they'll open the theme parks after hours for them. You know, like they're going to be able to go go in because this is already going to be a real headache for just your average guest. Um, everything's new. You know, you have to make a theme park reservation. You have to make new diet. You you have to do all that. So it's a it's it's a very interesting uh, new world we're living in with them doing this. And it's going to be weird to watch as teams are eliminated because I think they have eight games left in the season. Um, and so like teams as they are eliminated, then all of a sudden they. Just, Talk about talk about the tragical express. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're done. You know what I mean. Your season's over, and you have to leave Disney. A blessing. I don't know. <laughs> so here, as much as we love Disney, would you want to be quarantined to one hotel and Wild World of Sports for for two months if you're nah. making a championship run? No, I mean it's. I mean, I don't. I don't. I've never been in that position. I don't just. I don't like to be quarantined in general. So I had it pretty easy down here in Florida. It wasn't too bad where I was. So yeah, can't imagine. You know and. You've got the world at your fingertips to be, you know, we would maybe love it because we would get a kick out of it. But I mean, we're, we're the type of people that like watch the in-house channel and love it. I mean, so go figure, but you know, how interesting yeah. it's going to be for those guests to be like, Oh, there's LeBron playing checkers in the, uh, you know, or against Kevin Garnett in the, you know, whatever. I don't even know if KG still plays, uh, but still, cause I'm not a huge NBA fan either. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be such a weird, unique experience. 
I find it interesting because I traveled with the Mets, you know, when I was working with them. And when we would go to, let's say, the resort, we'd go to the hotel in L.A., right? We'd take the, we'd get off the plane, we'd take the team bus, we'd go to the hotel that we went to, you'd pull into the parking garage, and you had access passes to your hotel level floors so the general public couldn't go to you know floor number 18 and 19 those you know your room card keys were the only ones that let you in there similar to a concierge you couldn't get to that level without it uh from the players that i know from the time that we were there the last place they wanted to be was in the resort because all of the fans would know hey the new york mets are staying here let's go hang out in the hotel bar let's go hang out around the lobby let's go you know the autograph hounds the picture hounds they would all be there so i know for a fact staying on property and staying within that little confine is really going to be tough for them because i've i've experienced it when the players want to get off so they'll, they'll take the you know the, the elevator down they'll have a cab waiting for them in the parking lot and and then they'll be off to off the beaten path somewhere in the uh, you know outside the hotel area. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see how them being stuck in quarantine in that area is going to be. There's some really weird uh, rules in this 113 page, um, 113 page manual that was put out to each team. So they are going to have access to the golf courses. Um, that's one thing that they're going to be allowed to go go and play golf. Um, but they cannot. Um, they're not allowed to spend any time with one another in the hotel rooms. How does that work? You're there for two months. Um, you are. You have to get permission to leave campus. Uh, this reminds me of going to camp in the summer. You know what I mean? Uh, you. They cannot. There's not going to be any um, sharing of goggles or snorkels in the swimming pool. I don't know how many how many NBA players share goggles and snorkels um, in the swimming pool. You, you know what I mean? It's it's like <laughs> it, it is what it is. Uh, and then there. Uh, let's see here. There, did, you get to the, did you get to the deck of cards yet? No, oh, they, what is it? They can't share it? What is it? Do, do you it's know? After, if they play cards in a room, they have to all be masked. And once they're done playing cards for that night or whatever, they have to discard of the deck of cards. And they will have a plethora of decks of playing cards for them to reuse or to them to use. So if you're going to play cards for like an hour or so and say, <laughs> oh, we're done, they have to throw that deck of cards out and they will be provided with a new deck if they decide to okay. play it. All right. Well, absolutely crazy stuff. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a perfect social experiment watching people who are used to being in the public spotlight. uh, Be it's almost like Big Brother. You know, I never watched that show, but that's kind of what where you live in somewhere for extended period of time and you watch people. You know, uh, either get along, not get along, vote people out, play people out. You know, with the with the NBA. So it'll be it'll be good. But hey, at least we're getting some live sports back because I've been uh, I've been really missing. I watched a lot of golf this past weekend. Uh, with with golf making it's it's now back and you know golf's the perfect sport for this. I mean, uh, there really is only one other perfect sport for this, and that is racing. I mean, that is whenever you talk about uh, being socially uh, isolated is in a race car. You know, you don't have anyone else there with you, uh, and that's what we are going to talk about tonight, everybody. We are going to get into a little Disney history and uh, something that stood right outside of the gates of the uh, parking lot for the Magic Kingdom for many years was the Walt Disney World Speedway. Uh, it was built in 1995, um, and it was uh, built by the same people, a subsidiary of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Corporation. Um, and one of the cool things is when they built it and they opened it, they actually delivered a brick from the brickyard down and uh, and placed it there. So it was uh, really cool. It was a, uh, a track that was a three-turn tri-oval um, track and the main uh, thing that they did with this Joe and if I'm wrong, uh, you know, yell at me. You are the racing uh, pro. That's why we want to have you on tonight. Was it was more of a indie racing league uh, um, um, course, correct? 
Yeah, the court, the track was obviously designed by uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, IMS Events, and um, actually the original dedication for the track, uh, they had four or five, um, which at the time it was called the Indy Racing League, the, or the IRL. It was the IRL was started by the owners. The, I think it was the the George family, the Holman family uh, for Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and they had a they had a they broke they broke off. There was one major. Indy, uh, Indy car league called CART championship auto racing teams. And they had some issues with ownership and rules and purses. And it was a big mess. It's a big to do. So they spawned off their own league, which was the IRL. And they kind of started running mostly oval tracks. And this track was actually built um, for the purpose of running an IRL race. Um, and the funny thing was at the time that this was, this was built, if you guys remember back in the, the early nineties, which I call kind of the heyday of Disney, yeah. Like the 90s, that's where the boom was. I mean, you were getting all the new resorts were popping up. The studios was only a few years old. You're starting to get the water parks coming up. Um, there was a lot of sports going on in Disney. I remember, I remember back in the day on ESPN2, when ESPN2 was very new, they had the World Roller Hockey League, I believe it was, that they used to play at the studios. I remember seeing some games down there. Um, there was all kinds of different sporting events going on in Disney. So this was kind of like adding to it where Disney was becoming, a before Wide World of Sports, it was becoming a destination for sporting events you know in the u.s and when this track was built i mean i'm, I'm a big racing fan right daytona talladega the big super speedways have the high bankings you know those are for like stock cars this track was was built essentially for indie cars for the indie racing league and you know the the degrees of the turns were only 10 degrees eight and a half and seven degrees so it's not really a high bank track and that was mostly uh what they ran at this track was mostly um uh, IRL events. I mean, they did run a few NASCAR truck series events, which is the third level, third highest level of NASCAR racing series. But um, it was mostly for IndyCar, uh, IndyCar track. And when they when they first opened this track, they had a bunch of different big IRL drivers. They had drivers like Ari Lyondike, uh, uh, Lynn St. James, Davey Hamilton, uh, Eddie Cheever. These were big drivers that came down for the, for the dedication ceremony uh, for this track. So. Uh, and it also, too, if you guys remember back in the 90s, it was kind of like a, uh, a deal with where they renamed the Grand Prix Raceway to the Tomorrowland Indy Speedway and turned it into a Indianapolis IndyCar kind of theme. So yeah. kind of like a thing that went hand in hand where they built this IndyCar track and they also changed a little bit of the theming in Tomorrowland for the, the Speedway. So it was a pretty big deal at the time. I mean, I remember watching these races, you know, live on, on television, you know, I was you know, a teenager and it was I thought the track was great. I, I mean, I think I think it was built a bad spot. Uh, we can go into some of the pros and cons of the track, but uh, it, it's a shame that it's gone now because I really would have loved to have seen it build it somewhere where it could have could have survived all these years. Well, you were talking a little bit about too the um, you know the the rent we we'll call it a renaissance really of the Disney parks. I mean, it is a boom at that time because that's when Michael Eisner at the time is saying, "Hey, why are we losing all these people to off property? Why is everyone leaving? Why are they leaving to shop?" You know, uh, the downtown Disney blossoms and booms around the same time. Um, and also, look, this is the same time right then, February 1996, that um, the Disney company purchases ABC and gets an 80% stock of ESPN, too. So you're looking right around the same time uh, they get all that. I believe it was 97 that Wild World of Sports opens, too. So Eisner really has his hand in, in everything sports. And actually, you know what? He owns a um, professional soccer team now. Oh wow! Uh, overseas, um, and over—I think it's in England. He, he owns uh, him and his son. English Premier League. It's not a Premier League team, I do not believe, but uh, it's off the top of my head. He's a great follow on Twitter, and that's all he ever tweets about is is uh, either Disney stuff or uh, or soccer. But I mean, this is a heyday, and bringing a speedway 
to Walt Disney World, at the time, I'm sure many people said, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Are they going to be able to do this? And they do something really unique in the fact that they, instead of building uh, stands, instead of building a a, a huge structure where where guests and, and fans can come to, they 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 in turn just put up bleachers depending on how many tickets they sell. And we look throughout the couple years that they're having these races, and you see a decline every year in the attendance uh, with that. And one of the major problems they have, and listen, if you know that area, it's gotten much better now. And Joe, you living down that way, you know this. Uh, it's gotten much better now, but parking was. A huge problem from the beginning for the Speedway. Uh, they really, really, uh, at the time, could not figure out where to park guests because at the same time people were coming in for races, they were also coming in to park at the Magic Kingdom. And so they come up with this idea and they say, listen, we're going to park guests not here. We're going to park them at Epcot if you're going to the Magic Kingdom. Now imagine this. You have now bought a ticket to the Magic Kingdom. You're now parking at Epcot, riding a monorail or a bus over ticket and transportation, and then riding a second monorail or a boat over to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, really a complete nightmare. So that lasted all the year, and then they flipped it, and they said, if you're coming in for a race, you now have to park at Epcot and then take a bus over. Well, the problem was the Disney bus system at the time did not have enough buses to take care of everybody. So now Disney's having to spend money on private bus corporations coming in to bus these people for these races in and out. Um, so, I mean, listen, Disney traffic can be a little nightmare anyways. It's gotten, it's gotten infinitely better over the years. I mean, even in this past two years since they have the, the new road going in to especially the, the Magic Kingdom resorts, it's gotten so much better where you don't have to go through and say, I'm going to the Contemporary, you know, for dinner at Grand Cal, you know, at uh, California Grill. Now you can just pop over that, you know, that, that, that road and not have to worry about it. Did you, um, you know, Joe, another, another thing that this, uh, did was it was a, uh, a place for the D- run Disney races for, for yes. many years. Did you ever run it when it did went through there? I did. So I've, I've run it both ways. The first year, I, the first, my, actually my first ever marathon I did, uh, we ran through the speedway and, uh, it was pretty cool. It was around mile. Oh my goodness. Probably seven, eight or nine. If you run Disney people out there, I'm sorry if I'm not getting it perfect, but what happened was, is we had come past the Grand Floridian. You go through Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. on the Grand Floridian, and you would run towards the Speedway. And what you would do is you'd run towards the parking lot, make a left, go into the Speedway. And a lot, what a lot of racetracks do, if for you guys who are not race fans are, is there's always tunnels that go underneath uh, the Speedway. So you can either pull a hauler underneath it, like which is a trailer, or for pedestrians to cross underneath the track if there's actually activity on the track. So what we would do was we'd actually run through the pedestrian tunnel. So you actually run down like a small, narrow, like essentially tunnel hallway underneath the track and pop out and then actually run on the speedway. And one of the great things was, is that instead of just running along an empty racetrack, they invited the local uh, like Corvette club and local like uh, classic car clubs. And these, these people would bring their classic cars and they would park them all along the outside wall of the racetrack. And they would sit out there with their portable chairs and they'd sit there and they would cheer you on. And so not only were you getting cheered on by, these, these car clubs. And but you also look at these fantastic automobiles while you're running on the racetrack and um, got some great photos. Um, some of the, the, uh, it was a marath- marathon photo at the time. It wasn't the photo pass, but they got pictures of you running across the start finish line with Walt Disney World Speedway behind it. Um, they got pictures of you with the classic cars behind you. It was just, it was a really cool um, way to kill about a, a mile. You were in, you know, while you were inside uh, the track 
the second time I, run, I ran the marathon a few years later, they had closed the track and they were already starting to dismantle it. So I, they rerouted you a different way and tacked down the distance another way. But I'm glad I got to do it at least once. It was pretty cool that you uh, that you got to, you know, be on the track and ex experience it, see something different instead of just being on, you know, roads for miles and miles at a time. It was cool to see those cars. And the guys who were and the ladies who were out there cheering you, they were fantastic. They were so much fun. See, that's super cool. They do something like that. Uh, we have a place in Pigeon Forge, and, and usually on the weekends, the classic cars will line the road there in Pigeon Forge, and you can go you can go down and, and kind of check them out. Um, you know, Mike, for you, you know, do you remember, one, do you remember the Mickyard, as they called it, uh, the, the Walt Disney World Speedway? Uh, when you were heading to the parks, do you remember seeing it in the distance there off of, uh, off of the parking lot of the Magic Kingdom? I do, and me being a car guy, you know, I mean, I've been a mechanic for so many years, and I've always, you know, had my share of race cars and whatnot. Uh, my first few trips, when I'd see it, when we were going with as a family, I always said, you know what, I got to get over there. But me being the dad that I am, I, I didn't really want to take time away from our family trip to go do something on my own, you know, especially in the first couple of years when the family trips weren't as as common as they were. You know, they were the maybe once a year trips or just try and get down there, and you know, you really didn't want to lose that precious family time. Now that we've been down so many so many times uh, I wouldn't mind kind of doing it on my own you know now I've been kind of taking my own time to do golf and kind of branch out on my own because we've had a lot of that family time before uh, I do remember seeing it I remember it being part of my plan that I had an upcoming trip and I actually had reservations and I think they were reservations like the end of August and they wound up closing the track the beginning of August so I missed it by a few weeks uh, I was I was planning on doing the car driving experience. Uh, we had one of those. Actually, it keeps showing up in my memories on Facebook because my wife got me for a Father's Day gift, the exotic car experience, but they had it up here in New York. So I drove it around a track up here. So when the time came to do it in Disney, they had the option of doing the exotic car, the exotic cars or the option of doing the, the Richard Petty experience. And I really wanted to do the Richard Petty one. That's the one that I had booked. And then, unfortunately, they wound up closing the track a little prematurely, and then I wound up missing out on that opportunity. Yeah, so speaking of the Richard Petty driving experience, that's one of the things that I really wish I had done at some point. Yeah, like you, Mike, it's, it's, it's easier now because we're there so much, like you said, to be able to go out and play golf or go out and rent a boat or you know do those extra things that maybe I wouldn't have done when I only got down once a year twice a year things like that um I do want to get into to that but before we do that I want to talk a little bit more just about the racing in general um you know like I said Joe the the every year you kind of saw a decline with the attendance you know it, it's kind of started like 55,000 and then like 48,000 and then 30,000 um and they were able to take away the seating like we talked about was this a fault with the track? Was this a fault with the fact of the, the parking and just fans after the first year didn't want to come? Or was this just in that time a decline in that style of racing? Or, or you know? I mean, I, I, like I said, wasn't the biggest IndyCar fan. So if there are IndyCar fans out there, I, I don't want to speak for uh, on behalf of them. I know that, um, you know, in doing a little bit of research because, you know, I, I was like a teenager at the time, you know, there were some issues where, uh, you know, some of the races were shortened because of rain and this and that, you know, and so, you know, so that kind of didn't help. Uh, I think the parking issues probably were somewhat uh, of an issue. Um, if you, you know, a lot of times if you have a bad experience at something, you're like, oh, I'm not going back for that. Mm -hmm. um, I know for a fact that like, you know, they raced there, at least the IndyCar, Indy Racing League was there from 96 to 2000. And 
I guess, you know, the way it works, at least with the sanction, sanctioning bodies, it doesn't matter if it's NASCAR, IndyCar, Indy, uh, Indy IMSA, whatever it is, you have contracts with tracks and you say I have a four-year deal or a five-year deal to have this event here on a track. And then it's like anything else, it's up for negotiations, whatever, uh, when those that contract is up. And at the end of 2000, uh, even though IMS had built this track, you know, with Disney, you know, they couldn't come to an agreement on, on terms and I know those issues with, uh, for example, at least with the IndyCar schedule, they would start the season, you know, at the end of the, end, end of January, and then they would have like a really long time off until their next race. Mm-hmm. And I know that that was one of the reasons they didn't like that. You know, a lot of times when you start a, a racing season, you want it, you have the momentum. You don't want to wait one or two months for your next race. I mean, actually, IndyCar is going through that right now. They raced in Texas a few weeks ago, and they have like another like month until they race again. So you lose that momentum. So there was a lot of things that went into it. Um, you know, I don't know if it was a, a decline. I know there was some issues with the splitting between IRL and CART, uh, which is championship auto racing teams. So if you're an IndyCar historian, um, some will say that had maybe some things to do with it, with, you know, where they essentially were taking, imagine the NFL splitting up and the NFL right. going one way and the AFC going another way and becoming two leagues. So that's kind of like what was kind of going on at the time. So I don't know if that had a, something to do with it, but it's probably a little bit of everything um, between that, the parking, um, you know, the contract not being renewed. So it was kind of maybe just a snowball effect. And then it kind of just went away. They did use the track for testing. I know it was a big, uh, it was a nice track for testing for, for NASCAR, for, for, for IRL. Uh, still, even though they didn't run a race there, they had, uh, when you were allowed to test, uh, they tested there. So it didn't go away all the time. It didn't go away completely, but at least for sanctioned events, it did go away. So I think it was a combination of a little bit of everything. Well, and two, uh, you know, they had, they had a couple wrecks there. Um, Probably the worst one was on January 6, 2000, when IRL driver uh, Sam Schmidt uh, was paralyzed. Now, it says that the reason for, they believe the reason for this, and maybe you can explain this to me. Mike, you can explain it to me, too. I am not a huge uh, oval track racing. And, Joe, I don't know if you know this or not. My dad used to drive a top fuel dragster back in the day. Um, this has been years and years ago, and he still owns a, uh, a super comp dragster to this day. And so, as, as, as my dad ran super gas and super comps, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but they said the track was built before the safer barrier uh, yes. w- was was around, and they really said that was kind of an issue with with that, and and why they kind of looked elsewhere too. So, uh, a little different. Yes, yeah, st- uh, safer actually safer does it stands for steel and foam energy reduction. So it actually does stand for something. And if if you've never been to a racetrack that has a safer barrier, quote unquote. It's essentially you'll have your concrete wall, which was there, it was originally built. And then what they would do is they would have a solid piece of steel that would go in front of it. And there'd probably be about maybe a foot or a foot and a half of uh, energy reduction foam placed, maybe like a foot or a foot and a half in, you know, between the concrete wall and the, and the, the steel barrier. And when the, the vehicle would impact the safer barrier, you would actually see it like absorb the wreck and push it off. So instead of hitting a concrete solid object, it absorbs and it actually push you back out. Essentially, people would say if NASCAR or Daytona had the safer barrier back in the day, you know, Dale Earnhardt probably would have survived this wreck. So um, when he crashed in turn four in Daytona. So um, since the introduction of the safer barrier, um, it's made a huge difference in the safety uh, of drivers. I mean, entering a corner at 150 miles an hour or plus or even higher for an IndyCar, I mean, every little bit helps if you, uh, you lose control of your vehicle. So it's the same technology that I have created throughout quarantine with my belly. Uh, whenever I fall on my stomach now, uh, I kind of bounce off. All the energy goes elsewhere. Whereas before, 
It was more of a direct hit. So, okay, good deal. I understand <laughs> now. All right, I can put two and two together. Uh, let's talk about the fun stuff, man. Let's get into the Richard Petty driving experience. Um, they also had the Indy racing experience and the exotic driving experience. I want to start with the Richard Petty driving experience. Um, man, I tell you what, what a cool experience if you are a car guy or if you're a racing fan. Um, they said that uh, in, in 1997, they come up with this idea, and of course, Richard, driving, uh, Richard Petty driving experience was already a, a thing. They already had it other places. But they bring it to Orlando, and it's a, a stock car-based racing organization that allows the general public to drive real NASCAR machines. Um, or you could ride along uh, with a driver there as well. For me, this is something I could get into. I would enjoy this, going for a day, going and, uh, you know, suiting up and going around the track. Um, did you guys ever – I know, Mike, you said you said you really wanted to experience it. You kind of never made it over there. Joe, did you ever have a chance to go do this? I did. So I'll make it quick because I could ramble on forever when I talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, so I have done the Richard Petty driver experience. I did it twice at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina, and I've done it once um, at the Daytona National Speedway in Daytona. In regards to Walt Disney World, um, I actually won a, it was like a contest they had, this was back in like 1995, where I won, they had a Daytona USA arcade tournament in Tomorrowland, and I actually won the whole tournament for that day. And the prize was a three-lap ride-along at the Richard Petty Driving Experience in at the Walt Disney World Speedway. And I actually wasn't old enough to drive, but I could have run along, but I actually gave it to my dad as like a Christmas gift. So um, we were down there for Christmas, so it was kind of like a, additional Christmas presents. I did give it to him uh, for a Christmas present. So he, he did go around the Walt Disney World Studio. But I have done the driving uh, in Charlotte twice and Daytona once. It is absolutely incredible. Um, you have to know how to drive a manual transmission a little bit, at least be able to get the car moving, you know, at least get into fourth gear. But uh, it is crazy. Um, in Charlotte, I got up to 151 miles an hour because they give you a certificate. And I got a t-shirt too. Uh, <laughs> But it's uh, it's 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 really cool. I actually upgraded and did like the eight minute experience both times. So because it goes really fast. But it's um, it, when you're on the track and you're out there with other cars and you see like the guys doing the ride alongs and they're passing you on the outside, um, it gives you a different perspective of how good the real NASCAR drivers are and how good the IndyCar drivers are when they're going around, you know, these tracks at 180, 190 miles an hour. It's 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 unbelievable. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's, you don't have to even be a racing fan to ex, just to experience how loud it is and how fast it is. And it's, it's just, it's a really cool experience. So, uh, I would love to do the ride along because the entire time I would like to just yell at the driver, slow down, slow down. You're not driving safely. 10 and two, 10 and two. Um, I, uh, I look anyone who's ever been with me whenever I'm driving, I, dr I Rick Reagan right now screaming at the phone because he's one of the Mike's been with me too. I drive like I'm 95 years old. I get lost in my thoughts, and all of a sudden I'm just – I'm such a laid-back person. I just – you know, I don't care when I get there. It's fine. Uh, Mike, you know what? This is right up your alley. This is something you would really enjoy. I'm going to take you through all the different experiences you could do because this was not a cheap experience. I mean, you're talking back years and years ago uh, that you could do this. Now – the first one started, uh, they added this, it, it was not there when it first started, but they had so many people coming and saying, my child would love to experience this, you know, I, they, you should really add this on. They'd have the junior ride-along experience, it is uh, for children between ages 6 and 13, you had to be at least 48 inches height, um, and it was the uh, the same times as the, the regular ride-alongs. Um, and then you could go, I think that one was $69, uh, you go along to the ride-along experience if you're an adult, 
Um, you would ride shotgun. That's the one I would do where I'd scream at the driver. Um, and they would take you around the track. You had to be 18. Um, and uh, guests must be under – oh, I'm sorry. Guests must be under 18 uh, and accompanied by a parent or legal guardian. $99 plus. Okay. The next one is the rookie experience. Eight laps around the track. The program lasts two and a half hours, and it costs $449 plus tax. Then you have the King's Experience, 18-lap program. It's two sessions, approximately two and a half hours, and it's 849. Uh, the Experience of a Lifetime is the next one. It's 30 laps around the track, three sessions, approximately thirty, uh, approximately two and a half hours each. Um, it is $1,299, so $1,299. The Speedway Challenge is a 50-lap program consisting of five 10-lap driving sessions where you're in the driver's seat. Also included a high-speed three-lap ride-along as well as a shop tour with Tech Talk. Um, the five sessions were approximately four hours each, and they, it was a little over $2,000, $2,900. And the big boy, if you really want to get the full experience and you want to spend some money, the racing experience was a 50-lap experience. You receive instruction from your crew chief over the radio while driving and lead follow. Uh, you do a side-by-side tandem and passing driving sessions. Um, and also included was a three-lap ride-along in-car DVD video. You just see me crying and peeing my pants uh, of the driving experience. <laughs> Um, a photo plaque and other souvenir merchandise. It was five sessions. It was approximately four hours each session, and it was twenty six hundred dollars. So you had to for for as whatever your interest was, they had a package for you. Mike, if you're going to Disney, are you saying family? <coughs> See you later. I'll be back in five days. I'm doing the racing experience for twenty five hundred bucks. Or are you saying, you know what, three laps is enough or eight laps is enough for me? I think I go with the eight laps. I think that that's what I actually had in mind for the time that I was going to go. Uh, yeah, I can't listen. As big of a race car fan as I am, as big as a uh, you know car guy as I am, I, I think a one day, one and done kind of thing would be enough to uh, to you know suit my needs when it comes to you know checking that out. Uh, you know, obviously I'm still on a family vacation. If it was something I could do here, you know, if it was something available where I wasn't taking away from a family vacation, I think I would do the one day. Also, I don't think I would get into the you know the the, the five day or the you know the four day course. You know, this became real popular too, Joe. Like, uh, it was one of those things. It was almost like, okay, this is a pretty easy money grab. I mean, other than the maintenance on the cars, they even Disney at the time. You know, Disney is really good about whenever they come up with something new, saying we're going to make this. We're going to throw all the money in the world at it. We're going to give you the the buildings you need, the maintenance you need, the the infrastructure you need. They didn't do that for this experience at first. When they first did this, these guys were working on these cars underneath tents. There was no real place to check in. You were checking in at a tent. Um, then later on, a couple years later, once they realized it would be successful, they went back and they did. They created the gift shop where you also checked in. They built a small uh, garage to where they could house the cars and, and keep them. Um, so Disney really knew it was onto something here to use at this track that maybe in hindsight they're going, oh, we spent all this money on this track. Uh, what are we going to do with it? You know? Well, and that's the thing too, as you said, like the way the, the way these things usually work is that um, the Richard Petty driving experience, they, it's kind of like a touring road show. For example, they'll be in Daytona for like two weeks and then they'll go and they'll go somewhere else. And they'll go to Texas motor speedway or they'll go to Charlotte, but it was so popular down in Disney that they actually kept a, a contingent of cars. That's why they built them one of those like prefab, like, like you said, a prefab, like uh, steel kind of shack, a small garage just to keep some vehicles there because it was so popular. I, I remember uh, being in the lobby that year that I won my dad the um, the certificate. We were staying at the Contemporary. I remember seeing signs all over the lobby for it. They were really pushing it hard. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like once now, granted, that was when the track was brand new. 
Um, it, it just opened, so it was kind of like a big deal. But after the, all the events had, had been, you know, were gone, there was no more NASCAR racing, there was no more IndyCar racing. It's like, yeah, what are we going to do with this track? It's just sitting here. It's like it's not being used. We're not making any money on it if there's no action on it. So it's you kind of try to make the most of it while while it was there. But yeah, once uh, once of these unfortunate incidents happened, I think that was kind of the end of that was kind of the last straw. Yeah. Well, they you know in so it runs for over a decade. Uh, 365 days a year, of course, weather permitting. You know how weather can be in Central Florida. You're not going to be going around the track 150 miles per hour in the downpouring rain. Um, but on November the 13th, 2008, they come up with a new experience. You know, Disney's always great about no idea ever dies, and ideas can change and mold over time. Uh, and they say, you know what? We've done the Richard Petty driving experience. We're going to still have that, but now we're going to put some money into the indie racing experience. So for you indie car fans, we want to give you the same experience. Um, and then on in on January 16th, 2012, they come out with another one uh, with the supercars. Um, it's the exotic driving exotic driving experience. Now, Mike, I know this is something you have done, correct? have as a matter of fact they had it up here in new york and same thing it was like one of those traveling tour things you know they had certain dates where it was available and uh for anyone if it comes around your area because i knew they do travel i would certainly recommend doing it uh like i said it was a a father's gift from laura one year for me because she knew how much i like doing the the driving thing and uh, it was relatively not too expensive she got like a groupon for whatever it was and i got to choose two or three cars and uh they had this huge uh one of the arenas here, they had the huge parking lot set up, and you got to choose whether you wanted a Ferrari, whether you wanted a Lamborghini, whether you wanted a Porsche. They had a whole menu of supercars you could choose from when you got there, and uh, very cool stuff. It was an a la carte package. You could add certain things like you know photographs and videos and whatnot, and helmet cameras, and they had the, like like anything else. They always have the merchandise that goes with it. Uh, what I liked about this is because it, it was in a parking lot, and you say, well, you're in a parking lot. What are you gonna do? Just drive around? You know, like you're, like you're in a supermarket. What they did was they had cones set up and they had smaller cones and large cones and they had it in like turns and banks and all different kinds of way and the driver who would go around with you would say anytime you see the small cones gun it put you know put your pedal to the metal as fast as you can go whenever you see the larger cones start to hit the brake a little bit and slow down so you would get these long turns and speedways and you were in a Lamborghini and you were making these turns you know 90 100 miles an hour and you were gunning it and you know cranking the wheel all the way one way and it was a lot of fun it was very cool so uh if any of these traveling road shows for this exotic car stuff happens to pop in your neighborhoods and you know you want to get your significant other a little gift it's a good way to go did they have a moderately maintained toyota corolla that someone could drive by chance the camry they had the camry Camry. okay the camry's got a few more options (laughs) i don't know about that now we're reading up there uh (laughs) joe is this something that would pique your interest or are you just like i want to go around the oval like you know over and over as fast as i can or would you want to do like a street course now, so I've had friends do um, the BMW driving experience in South Carolina, I believe it is, in your home state. So I think really? there's the the BMW. I think it's I think it's BMW or Mercedes. Yeah, not Mercedes, but it's one of those like driving school things that would kind of pique my interest. Where like you go for like a couple of days and they actually teach you the proper techniques and stuff. Like that's something that would you know like the, these are really cool for like at the top of the car and go. It's like a, like a real rush. But if I had the opportunity to spend some money. Uh, I would definitely, that would be the next thing because I've done the ovals already. I would definitely do something like that where I learned how to, you know, possibly do some, you know, road racing. I mean, because that's something I've never, the last time I did any kind of road racing, I did quotes, was at the police academy where I was yeah. <laughs> I was driving to high speed course. That wasn't really road racing. So, uh, but yeah, that would be something that would definitely be, uh, 
that would definitely like to do. I've had some friends uh, besides do the one in South Carolina, uh, go over to Nürburgring over in Germany and drive that. I mean, I've seen the pictures and videos they have. It just looks absolutely incredible. See, I'm a racing speed junkie. That's something that definitely, definitely be, uh, would pique my interest. Well, the thing too is, uh, I would just sign, sign Katie up for any driving experience where they teach you to use a backup camera because <laughs> she still is going over your show. I said, just look at your camera. She goes, I don't trust it. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't trust it? It's, it's a camera. It's what you see, you know, it's there. Um, unfortunately, uh, there was an incident at the, at the, at the, the, actually it was the exotic driving experience, mm-hmm. um, to where one of the instructors lost his life in a crash. Um, and it was, uh, it was a very sad incident. And after that, the, uh, the, you know, the Richard Petty driving experience kind of went, went away. I mean, everything, they just kind of closed up shop. And, uh, then we just had this big empty spot outside the magic kingdom parking lot, uh, which no one really knew what was going to happen. Um, but the Disney decides to, you know what, we, we are ready to, uh, go ahead and, and make the decision to tear down the, what was the, uh, the, the great, um, Walt Disney World Speedway. I think it was 2015, if I believe. Am I right, Joe? Do you know that off the top of your head? Yeah. I mean, like, believe it or not, they've actually just finally, I mean, that's probably when they, they tore it down because I ran the marathon in 2015 it was still there. So it was probably later after that year, uh, later that year, they, they, officially closed shop on it. Um, believe it or not, the, the last remnants of it, um, I was just at the uh, the, uh, the Walt Disney World, the, uh, the Palm Magnolia golf courses, and they're finally ripping out the leftover trees that were kind of lining the outside wall of it. The speed. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally ripped out the trees. I think they filled in uh, the lake that was actually in the shape of Mickey Mouse. Lake Mickey is gone? Lake Mickey, I think it's all gone now. There there are uh, bulldozers in there and pulling kinds of stuff out. So I think they finally just... It's completely gone right now. So yeah. Well, I, I tell you, the one thing I love about Walt Disney World is, so I, I have the fortune of talking to tons of families who are going to Disney, and I would say eighty to ninety percent of the families don't realize of all the activities that Disney has that does not inside of a resort or inside of a theme park. Um, you know, Mike and I rented a rented a boat for, for a fireworks cruise. You can go fishing. You can, you know, there's there's so much to do. Golf and and all that horseback riding, uh, all the stuff you can do. Is I'd like that Disney's always offered that option. So you know, I I understand this one takes a lot more upkeep. It takes what not even the upkeep and the price of the upkeep. The most uh, uh, valuable thing at Walt Disney World it takes up space, and for for Disney spaces, money, spaces, guests, spaces, you know, is everything. Um, so they're able to create more parking for the Magic Kingdom, extend the parking lot out, do more and more. So uh, for me, this was a bummer. Because I always wanted to experience and never had the chance, but I'm glad Joe, you had the chance. I'm glad you had the chance to run through it and uh, and see it. And uh, man, I tell you what, I can't thank you enough, dude, for coming on and, and giving us your knowledge about the uh, the Speedway and the history and and all the things that they had with the Richard Petty driving experience. It was a uh, it was very very cool, man. Thank you so much. I, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Like everybody knows from being on your guys' show and and, and the shows I'm on in the past. Like I'm a huge NASCAR fan, a huge racing junkie running junkie so this was kind of like the best of both worlds <laughs> all combined to discuss this so uh i enjoyed it um you know catch me watching some of the old races on youtube still just being like wow you know it's i really wish the track was still there but uh it was fun to talk about with you guys saying reminisce a little bit i appreciate it i would really like to have my picture with mickey in the in the driver's outfit you know that was that's a cool one you know they still got it they got to have it somewhere it's, so. it's somewhere back there you know yeah yeah for sure <laughs> 
You know, talking about the Speedway tonight, uh, one thing, obviously it's not there anymore, but we do have tons of pictures and memories of the Speedway. And you know what? It's a great place to find those uh, pictures and memories. It's on Facebook. And you know what that brings me to? My favorite thing every week, and that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. It's time for us to get our Picks of the Week. Joe, since you're our guest this week, what would be your Facebook pick of the week? So I'm going to go with, since like you said, we're talking about cars and the speed and all stuff. Uh, listener Dave Barron sent a picture of, uh, looks like he's uh, putting a smooch on somebody offices. I hope it's his wife or a girlfriend. <laughs> 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 it uh, looks like an old classic little teal uh, convertible. Uh, so uh, looks like he's having a good time. Uh, he's listening to, he said he hasn't listened to a lot of the shows, but uh he heard the sci-fi episode you guys did, and he uh, says he loves that place. And Mike, that pick is uh, especially for you. So, uh, yeah, my pick is uh, Dave Barron and uh, putting a smooch on somebody there. Awesome, man. Yeah, do you like sci-fi drive-in? Uh, it's I I am a '50s primetime guy over a sci-fi. Over. Me too, Joe. Me too. So here's the thing we talked about. Sorry, Mike. I'm hijacking for a second. Go ahead, go ahead. Like, so Jason loves sci-fi. Loves sci-fi, and I think he's convinced me because. Have you been since they redid the menu? I went last year, so I remember. I don't know if it's been the menu since we've run. It's probably okay. My it was when my cousins were there. It's probably last April or May. So I don't know. I don't go there often. So was that before or after the menu was done? Uh, it's probably after. Probably okay. after. I I love the experience of it. Um, I haven't been in two or three years though. What I think they should do is a lot like fifties prime time. Imagine if you could walk up and it be like a um uh like concession stand where you can get beverages and like specialty shit like do all that kind of stuff like you do over 50s prime time where you walk in it's still got the movies up stuff like that i think that would be really cool and they cool. have the space so uh mike why don't you go ahead buddy since i hijacked us there sure uh my pick of the week is going to go to a new member and that's to jason broad and jason broad sh- uh, shared his first post with us on his on facebook i'm so glad you could be part of our family welcome to the show and you know what Anytime you post anything with Star Wars, you always got my pick of the week. So, uh, Jason, welcome to our Disney Dads family. It's nice to have you on our page. I uh, hope to see more pictures, and you have my pick of the week, sir. Welcome to the family. Absolutely awesome. Um, my Justin, tr- what do you got me, buddy? Yeah, let me go. After I finish swallowing this olive. There we go. <laughs> uh, my pick of the week this week is going to go to... Look, they they get it lots because we love them, and they're part of our family. Uh, and I'm so bummed i'm not going to see them in disneyland on july 15th um actually we were supposed to fly in a day early with this family and we were going to rent a um a limo and surprise the kids and we were going to do a limo up to disneyland uh and that's the Ramies. uh jenna ramey posting some throwback pictures says well since we couldn't have our special birthday character breakfast for gunner at ohana today like we had planned decided to break out their outfits they had ordered for the occasion have a birthday dinner at Texas Roadhouse. Uh, for me and uh, you, uh, I actually worked at Roadhouse all through college, so I love that post, and also happy, happy birthday, Gunner. Uh, you're an awesome, awesome little dude, uh, and I hope to see you in the parks real soon, buddy. Absolutely. And happy anniversary to the Smith family. Yes, yes, definitely. I, I re- love yep, all those pictures. Wedding anniversary, yep, excellent. Especially watching Nate cry going down Splash Mountain. How are you afraid of Splash Mountain, man? What's up with that? <laughs> can't be afraid of Splash Mountain. You know what I mean? It's like the happiest, happiest ride ever. Um, well, I'll tell you what, guys. I've had a blast doing this. Before we head over to our patron side of things, I want everybody right now, if you are not a part of the Facebook family, pick up the phone right now. Go to Facebook, Disney Ads Podcast Facebook family. Click join right there. We'll approve it, and we want to see your pictures uh, for our next pick of the week. 
We absolutely love getting to know you and all your family. Uh, while you're doing that, too, look, there's a couple things you can do to help us out. Go to iTunes. If you like the show, slap us five stars. Put a nice review there. Uh, if you're enjoying what we're doing, it helps us grow the show, reach more and more people. Um, also, you can head over to www.disneydadspodcast.com. Uh, there you can find the links to our emails and all this show email, disneydadspodcast at gmail.com. But our personal emails are there as well. So you can email Mike and tell him how beautiful that smile is when he's holding balloons on Main Street. Uh, and uh, listen, we absolutely love to hear from you. Uh, we love to get those phone calls, so give us a call, 317-WDW-DADS, 317-939-3237. Leave a voicemail. Let the kids leave a voicemail, and we will play it on a future show. Guys, I have had a blast tonight. Joe, I tell you what, buddy, I absolutely love it, man, every single time you're on. It is so much fun, dude, talking with you. Whenever we started thinking about things to do for this episode, and I said, let's talk racing, and I know just the guy to get a hold of, and I texted you, and I said, man, Come on the show, and uh, and we'll talk a little racing. You're like, oh, I'm there, man. Let's do this. So uh, I definitely appreciate you uh, doing that. Mike, why don't you give me some closing words, and we'll let Joe close the show up, and we'll head over to Patreon. Yeah, Joe, thanks for coming on. It's always a blast having you on the show. Uh, as I'm closing it out, as you close it out, why don't you let our Disney family know where they can hear you because you're on another podcast. Sure. And, you know, give those guys a little bit of a plug. Again, thank you for having me on again. I always love being on the show with you guys and talking everything, racing, run Disney, resorts, DVC. Uh, you know it, but I, you can find me over at the Mickey Dudes podcast. You can also find me over at the resortloop.com DVC roundtable. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at Joe Quad. So uh, find me over there. Uh, not on every show, but, uh, you know, uh, we, we do some fun stuff over there and have a good time. So you're a good follow on Twitter, man. And, uh, and on, I, I follow you on Insta. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm trying to I'm more active on the Instagram and the Twitter. So. It's the Insta. You got to say Insta. It. The Insta. And I'm going to Insta say thank you guys so much. I've had a blast. And until next time. Patron family, stick around. Everyone else, we'll see you real soon. Have a good night. Have a good night. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you. And remember, always keep it Disney. heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin. Let the wonder... And that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.